And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I am back. I'm back from my vacation over in Europe, um, and uh, my studio is all fixed up, ready to go. I apologize for the uh, the technological failures that prevented uh, last Wednesday's podcast from getting released. Got it all figured out. We're good to go. I was joined by my brother, Greg Price. Always a great time talking to Greg. We recapped... All the stuff I missed over the last couple weeks, we talked about uh, some recent poll numbers from over the weekend that look uh, very favorable to Republicans, and we talked about Italy uh, electing a right-wing prime minister and, and why liberals here in the States are, are freaking out over that. It, it was a fun show. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Greg, guys, if you haven't already, please uh, follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, River Get Your Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how you been, man? I've been good, dude. Good to be back on with you. Absolutely, man. So I missed the last two weeks. Uh, I was in Europe on vacation, and then we had a massive equipment failure um, last Wednesday, which prevented us from releasing that episode. But it's all sorted out. I'm back. I'm good to go. Um, we're going to recap a whole bunch of stuff I missed because there's a lot of important stuff I want to touch on. Um, but first, let, let's start with like a couple you know, current news events. Um, yesterday, there was an election in Italy. I don't know much about Italian politics or European politics. I don't really care. But Every journalist in America has thoughts on this new Italian prime minister who is a right winger. She's a conservative. So, so they're calling her the next Mussolini. You know, she's a fascist, this and that. Um, I mean, when corporate journalists are all in agreement that somebody's awful, I just go ahead and assume they're pretty great. So tell us what you know so far about this uh, this broad over in Italy. Yeah, well, I didn't even like, obviously, I'm with you. I don't know too much about Italian politics and what goes on. Well, I know a little, I mean, I know a little bit like about like kind of the populist movements that have been going on there, but I didn't know like there was an election or like who the players were. So I like after this news started breaking, I looked up who this woman is and she's like, she she's the, she's leading a right wing coalition that's going to take a majority in the Italian parliament. And, you know, she, she campaigned, her name's, you know, Georgie Maloney, and she campaigned under the slogan, God, Homeland, and Family. And, you know, Italy was like, obviously, if you remember, one of the most locked and down places ever, and she fought against that, lockdowns and vaccine mandates. Um, you know, she's a huge oppo- opponent of mass immigration and of illegal immigration. And, you know, she called for, like, literally blockading some African countries to prevent, you know, illegal immigration from happening. And, you know, she's a, she's a Eurosceptic and opposes globalism and, you know, the Great Reset and, you know, the, the rush to green energy. And she's also, you know, conservative on social issues. She, you know, she spoke out against, you know, the LGBT lobby, as she called it. And, you know, she's also pro-life. And basically, she's just she she's a conservative who's coming to power and the media has responded accordingly by accusing her of being a fascist and all this other bullshit. When in reality, she's just, you know, she's. She's a very articulate conservative politician, and that's probably why 
Her party only got 4% of the vote in the 2018 election, and now she's going to be Italy's first female prime minister. Yeah, all I know about her is the speech that I saw you tweeted out last night <laughs> that I watched. And, I mean, she ends it by quoting Chesterton, so, I mean, she seems pretty based in my book. But, man, it's like, she's... you know, all the, the lefty, like, journos here that they—I mean, they don't know. I mean, they know less about European politics than you and I do. Um, that doesn't stop them from, ha- from having very strong opinions, you know, in any direction, anytime something happens in Europe. But it's like—I mean, like you said, uh, Italy was— like the hardest locked down country in Europe. I mean, it was like Italy in, in terms of Western countries, it was like Israel and Italy were the two countries that locked down the hardest. Um, they had the most ridiculous draconian COVID measures and they kept that country locked down for a long time. It was like a year and a half. Um, and, you know, they've been governed by hard leftists for a, a decade. Uh, I mean, they've been, the, the woke stuff is extremely pervasive over there in Italy. It's like, yeah, man, like one, this this woman's not a fascist. All these journalists can can just, you know, get bent. But like, what what do you expect, man? Like, of course, of course, Italians are gonna eventually elect a right winger. It's like you you lock them down for a year and a half. You know, it's it's all all this all the globalism that comes along with the the EU and everything, the the mass migration out of North Africa. It's like, did these. The fact that the left, I mean, they control the culture, not just here, but in Europe as well, so thoroughly that they honestly convince themselves that they're just going to maintain power forever. It's like we can push people as hard as we want. We can try to destroy the family. We can lock them in their homes at gunpoint. You know, all the gender ideology stuff. Um, and, and just they, they never think that they're ever going to see any any ramifications. They're never going to get any blowback at all. And it's like not, not only one is this, you know, this should have everybody should have seen stuff like this coming but also like if they don't back off if they don't leave normal people alone they're actually going to get a fascist like i don't know in italy or or i don't know if it's italy or somewhere else but like there's going to be a legitimate like far-right evil fascist elected in one of these western countries if the left doesn't give people a break like you you got it you got to pump the brakes a little bit or you're going to get hit by something much much worse than this woman much much worse than whatever they say about trump or, or whoever I don't even think you have to go far to say that they're going to elect an actual fascist. I think they're going to, you know, people can only be pushed for so long before the people in power doing it to them face uh, electoral consequences. And we've seen that all over the world when it comes to COVID, like, you know, a right wing government just got elected in Sweden, too, right before right before this. Yeah. And, you know, a right wing and obviously a, you know, a right wing government just got elected in Italy again after this party that this woman Georgie Maloney leads only got 4% of the vote in the last parliamentary election. And so, you know, like you said, people can only, uh, people can only be pushed for so by, by the people in power for so long before they respond. And I think that's what we're going to see in America in November. I think, you know, you know, all the people predicting that, you know, Democrats are somehow surging before the midterm elections. I think that's heavily misguided. You know, I think at the end of the day, the biggest, determining the biggest factor in this election is going to be the people who, you know, locked us down, forced us to get a vaccine, destroyed your business versus the people who didn't. And that's why I think the biggest reason why I think we're going to see an electoral wipeout for the Democrats come November. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. And like, you're always a lot more optimistic than I am in terms of electoral politics. You know, I'm always, I mean, I don't know, man, I, I maybe it's just the, the congressional district I've been in my whole life and the city I've lived in my whole life. It's just like been run by these like ridiculous corrupt Democrats. Like I've never been governed by a Republican, anything under state level. Like I've, we've obviously had Republican senators and governors in Ohio, but like I've never had 
a Republican mayor, congressman, state senator, state rep, county commissioner, city councilman, sheriff, ev- nothing ever in my life. It's only been Democrats. So it's like I always think I mean, we're going to lose every I mean, election. That's, that's been me too. I, I grew up in the Philly area, very yeah. liberal, and I lived, I've lived in Connecticut. Uh, and now, well, I guess Virginia now counts as the first technically red state I've ever lived in since Republicans now govern the state. Yeah, man. But I'm with you. I like my whole life has been living in blue areas too. But you know, well, we we've I think I, I think you, I've, yeah, you and I have talked a lot on this podcast though, and I'm like, man, our candidate here sucks, or my our candidate there sucks, and we have no chance. And we're and you're always like, ah, I don't know, man. I think we'll be all right. But I've actually I'm trying to listen to guys like you more, and I actually do think that the GOP is in in great shape heading into the midterms. And just one more like piece of uh, current news, you know, there was four uh, major polls released over the weekend. Um, that polled the generic congressional ballot. And all four, three of them have Republicans up between one and five points. The third one is tied. And these are all like, uh, except for what the Rasmussen is, is a pretty right-leaning poll, but uh, Emerson, ABC, and CBS, it was a CBS Washington Post poll. Um, and and they've all been left-leaning for the last year, um, tracking the generic con- congressional ballot. And they all have Republicans either tied or ahead. And I mean, historically, like, if the generic congressional ballot is any better than like D plus three or four, that means the GOP picks up a bunch of seats. So it's like, despite having some weak candidates in some places, like a Herschel Walker or somebody like that, I, I just, and, and obviously Democrats, they always have way more money than we do. I mean, they're, they're outspending us like crazy, but I, I still think we're moving. Like we Republicans need to stop paying attention to summer polls, man. Forget summer polls. They don't matter. Like the polls, yeah. To, to the extent that they do matter at all, matter like right now, like late September, early October. And it looks like the GOP is making gains when it counts, not in the summer when, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. And like re- recall that Glenn Youngkin did not lead a single poll until like mid-October. Yep. It was, he was like down October in, 15th in, or something. Yeah. He, he was down in literally every single poll until like two weeks before the election. Also keep in mind that in 2020 – you know, the Cook Political Report, which is like, you know, considered like the gold standard of ele- of polling and election predicting, predicted that Democrats would, p- would would expand their majority in the House by 15 seats. It ended up literally being the other way around. Republicans, I believe, won 15. I, I could, it could be less, though. Also yeah. keep in mind that like Fox News polls, which are some of the worst polls ever. Like I like Fox News, good people. Their polls are terrible. Oh, yeah. They predicted that, Dem- that Democrats would increase their seats last year. The, also, Susan Collins in 2020 was not winning in a single poll and ended up winning her election by 10 points. They had her down like um, 15, 17. The, I mean, they thought she was going to get the, blown out. The generic, congre- the, the, the real clear politics average of polling had Biden winning Ohio and Florida in 2020. The real clear politics average of all the polls. Polling, do do not listen to the polls. Do not trust the polls. You know, they're, you know, we, we have, we don't listen to anybody telling you that we're somehow losing this election. We're not. We're going to win. And the yeah. reason we're going to win is, beca- is because people are sick and tired of what the Democrats have done to our country over the last two years. And so, like, there, it happens every midterm cycle where Republicans have an advantage, where, you know, the media and the Democrats try to essentially dampen the the mood with with polls with these stupid polls that show democrats somehow surging never don't trust it don't listen to it get out and vote like your life depends on it 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I uh, it, it's ridiculous anytime commentators try to draw any kind of correlation between, like, you know, elections in Europe and elections here. But I think there there is a lot of, like, the, the reason why Italians voted for this right-wing leader yesterday is the same reason why, you know, Virginia parents voted for Glenn Youngkin. You know what I mean? It's the same reason why... Um, I mean, like, you know, annoying childless white women are always going to vote, vote Democrat. And then, unfortunately, it looks like African-Americans are always going to vote Democrat. Numbers haven't really changed with those two demographics. But, I mean, look at the Hispanic vote, man. I mean, like, Ron DeSantis is going to win a majority of Florida Hispanics in his re-election campaign. Um, Abbott is going to win around half in Texas. And, you know, in 2024, I mean, uh, polls are suggesting, you know, the Republican could win like 40 percent. 45% of the Hispanic vote. And it's the same way with these, you know, these like left of center parents in Virginia who who crossed the aisle and voted Republican for the first time in 15 years or whatever. It's because they they've just been pushed too far, man. They've just been pushed too far. Like you cannot push Catholic, socially conservative Hispanics this far with the gender ideology with the, the 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 trans stuff that that LGBTQ mafia, yeah, you know, you just cannot push these people this hard. You can't, you cannot push these Virginia parents and say, no, the state owns your children, and if you don't like it, you're a domestic terrorist. Like you just can't push that hard. The left is getting hit right on the beak right now, and it's not hard. Like this is not rocket science, man. Like as soon as Glenn Youngkin won, we all knew why. Like, there was no, like, it wasn't because he's, like, the most talented campaigner. He's not Ronald Reagan on the mic. He's not as, like, he doesn't drum up, like, grassroots support like Trump. He's just kind of just, like, an average, like, mild-mannered Republican. But, like, we knew why. Like, he knew, we we saw the issues that he won on. We knew exactly why people switched, you know, cross-party lines to vote for him. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to see in November. It's going to be the same, you know, the same issues that propel Republicans to victory. I think we're absolutely going and people say like, you know, that, you know, the Dobbs ruling is somehow going to, you know, tip the midterm elections to to Democrats. But I don't think abortion is an issue that fires up independence the same way it does the Democrat base. You know, I think, you know, the independents are largely thinking about inflation. They're largely thinking about the price of groceries and gas. And, you know, they're thinking about how much lockdowns and school closures hurt their families. Like those are the issues at the top of people's minds. And those are the issues Republicans are talking about, which is why they are going to win in November. It never made sense to me. I mean, just at face value. And I know like even a lot of people on the right were like, you know, glad, you know, Roe v. Wade is gone. But yeah, like we're probably going to take it on the chin because of that. I'm like, I don't that, that never made any sense to me because like, I mean, obviously, abort, abort, there's way too many abortions in this country. What, it's like 800,000 a year or something like that? I mean, that's horrific. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's mass slaughter of innocent children. But I, in, in terms of, and I, I hate talking about an issue like that in these terms, but it's like, who, who are the people getting abortions? Like, they're not going to, that's not enough people to swing elections. I'd say 90-something percent of women who get abortions are already registered Democrats. They're going to, you know, these are... Obviously, you you only would be in need of an abortion if you're a woman under the age of 42 or 43. You know, I mean, like, just yeah, I'm no I'm no doctor, <laughs> Greg, but like, you know, basic like human anatomy. Um, I mean, so it's like that. I, I you're, maybe the Republicans lost some left of center atheist women under the age of 42. Okay, like it, 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 that's not going to swing any election anywhere. Like, I never understood why 
you know, the the passionate pro-abortion people, like, I don't know. It's not a voting block. Like, this isn't this massive wave of people. So, like, I just, I, I kind of threw away that take at face value as soon as people started making it. Yeah, and also, like, I think Democrat extremism on abortion turns a lot of people off, I would say. I, I would say the fact that they support, you know, no limits on abortion and they want to repeal the Hyde Amendment, I think those are views that are, wi- like, that are wildly out of touch with America, you know, the fact, the fact that they're freaking out over the, over, you know, they're freaking out over the possibility that abortion could be banned after 15 weeks, which would literally make our abortion laws similar to the rest of the world because over 75, like 75% of countries in the world ban abortion after 12 to in the fifth, in the 12 to 15 week range. The fact that they're freaking out over that should just like tell, tell you everything about how extreme they are on this issue and how this issue has become like it's become like their sacrament. And I think that turns a lot of people off. I think that hurts them more than it helps them at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, uh, a 15 week abortion ban is on the, the, the far left in terms of European laws. Uh, I think in the UK it's 12 weeks, France, it's 12 weeks. Most European countries, it's 12 weeks. Some of them have 15 weeks and then a handful of European countries don't allow any abortions whatsoever. 27 of 51 EU European countries ban abortion after 12 weeks. Like that's, um, I think that's about half, right? A little over half. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, that's Europe. Like, and, and like the, even, even countries like Norway and Denmark do that. Like these Nordic countries that the left like constantly holds up as models for America, even they have abortion, even they're not as extreme on abortion as the, as the Democrat party is. Yeah, I mean the only uh, the only countries more extreme on on abortion than the United States are like China, North Korea, and the Philippines, I believe. I mean it's like a, yeah, it's, it's not yeah, it's not the of, company you want to keep. I mean these are yeah, these are communist authoritarian states, you know that that are trying to I mean explicitly control their own populations. I mean we're not even talking about like yeah it's it's we're we're not in in good company in terms of our abortion laws. Um, but let's do a little bit of recap because I have been out for two weeks and I know this is like almost two weeks old at this point, but we have to mention it briefly. And that was this masterclass in, in Republican politics demonstrated by Ron DeSantis over the whole Martha's Vineyard thing. And I'm sure everybody's seen what happened there. He sent, I think it was only like 50, <laughs> like 50, it was 50 yeah. illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard, which is this ridiculous, yuppie, left wing, rich, gated community. You know, one of the richest, you know, communities on planet Earth. And right on cue, I mean, it took them 24 hours. They freaked out. They compared these these immigrants to literal, I'm using their words, literal garbage. Um, and then they called in the National Guard and had them shipped off. So it's like these people, I, I mean, I, that was the point by DeSantis, obviously. It was just to shine a light on these people's hypocrisy. And they, I mean... I don't know. They they just either hate immigrants this much, or they're just too stupid not to just jump right, just head first into Ron's trap. But uh, I mean, the the left really doesn't know how to understand. They, they don't know how to handle DeSantis. And then Abbott's doing the same thing down to Texas, sending he was sending illegal aliens to D.C. It's like I don't know why Republicans didn't start doing this a long time ago. But um, I, I mean, I, I can't believe the left is is this bad at this. I mean, you'd think that they'd be a little bit more clever. They would have seen something like this coming. Yeah, I mean, they fell they fell right into his trap and it, and literally fried eggs all, all over their faces when it came to this issue. And basically just like they basically just exposed to the world the nimbies that they are, that they never meant anything they said when it comes to, you know, the platitudes they would say about immigration when Donald Trump was in president was president. Like Donald Trump would take 
necessary steps to secure our southern border. I think like most people in America understand that we need to have a secure border, but the left would say that this is evil, that this is racist, that we need to welcome all weary travelers to America. And then the minute that they, they come to their neighborhoods, they're, they, they freak out. And like, Mar- you know, Mar- Martha's Vineyard freaked out over 50 illegal migrants being sent to them. You know, they got all this media attention about their response. And like now imagine the tiny border town of Del Rio, Texas, that had 49,000 illegal migrants enter their town in one month, in the month of July. And they also had 15,000 Haitians dumped into their town of, of 35,000 people in one day. And that and like, you know, that hasn't gotten nearly the same you know attention from the media as 50 being sent to this like this beautiful <laughs> island full of yuppie (laughs) affluent liberals yeah and it's just you saw jared kushner said that you know ron DeSantis was mean for doing this doug ducey the governor of arizona said something similar last wednesday i think he was talking to the hill uh he said that conservatives are becoming bullies and should just knock it off and and you know take the pressure off the left you know we don't want the corporate press to call us mean you know and it's like that's just that's such a hilarious loser mindset man i'm like i mean thank goodness that that mindset is dying that, that those people are a dying breed on the right now like republicans are starting to wake up and, and figure out what time it is and figure out what tactics have to be employed to actually fight the left um because i mean it's, the left doesn't the, the political battles are not on our playing field you know what i mean like these people don't believe in free markets these people don't believe in in anything i mean they're they're just they're degen, they're sexual degenerates. I mean, they're they're like the wolves are at the gate. You know what I mean? And they they are they're they're attempting to destroy Western civilization. And we finally have them on on their heels. You know what I mean? Like we're finally beating them back. We finally have them running scared. And now is the time to keep the pressure on. Like I think Doug Ducey's the biggest idiot in the world for wanting to take the pressure off the left. Why would you do that? And I mean, we you already broke the corporate press. I mean, they they were I think it was Jamel Bowie in the New York Times. He wrote a piece immediately after the, the. I mean, you saw this coming. I saw this coming a mile away, obviously, because this is what they always do. Um, but all it took was 50 illegal aliens in Martha's Vineyard, and and uh, Jamel Bowie is writing uh, pieces about how how Ron DeSantis is much much worse than Donald Trump. He was praising Donald Trump's quote soft edges, as opposed to Ron DeSantis. So it's like if if all it took was 50 illegals to literally break their brains. Like, you just broke their spirit, man. Now they're praising Donald Trump. I mean, you, you broke them into little tiny pieces and scattered their ashes into the Atlantic Ocean. Okay? Like, keep it up. Do not take your foot off the gas. And you saw it a couple over the last several months with the whole groomer thing. You know what I mean? Like, we started calling them groomers because they are, because they're grooming children. And they freaked out and started making really sloppy mistakes. You know what I mean? It's all about just baiting your opponent, it, whether you're a boxer or you're a, a football player or whatever. It's like... You're trying to get your opponent to make a stupid mistake, and that's when you can knock them out. And when, when, when you send illegals to Martha's Vineyard, apparently that's all it takes for them to be, get thrown off their game and start making mistakes. If you call out their grooming behavior because they are groomers, they start freaking out and making mistakes. Anybody that's encouraging Republicans to take the foot off the gas now is, I don't know, at, least, at the very least an idiot, at, at the worst, controlled opposition. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, if you're not I think at this point, if, if you're not willing to to take these steps, like you, you have no business being anywhere near the levers of power in the GOP. Like, you know, we need to you know, we need to 
get comfortable, like GOP politicians at this point that are not comfortable using government power to destroy their enemies and to deliver wins for our side. They, they, they just don't, they don't deserve any of your time or your money or your vote. They, that, and that's, that's the simple truth. Um, because, you know, and I, you know, politicians like DeSantis understand the left. They, they understand what we're up against and they know how to respond to it. And this is like the part, this was the perfect thing to do. It was like the biggest, right. It was like the biggest PR win for the right. I think I, I have ever seen, um, you know, he did a, it. It was a, it was a great thing. And, you know, the fact that Ducey's coming out and saying, you know, that Republicans who are like, you know, comfortable using power to to just to, you know, destroy to do whatever, whatever it is, he said, like, that's just like he doesn't have a few like he, and I don't think he's been a bad governor either. He doesn't have but he does. You don't have a future leading the party. if That's still your mindset at this point. Yeah. And the thing is, like, he has wielded power as governor to make his constituents lives better. Like he actually has been a, a pretty good governor, so it's like it's just bizarre. You know what I mean? It's like you yeah, think it's very... you'd think he'd learned his lesson in a good way. You know what I mean? And like that's the thing. Like I, uh, I like I'm an anarchist, man. Like I, I don't even believe that the state should exist. I believe the nation should exist, but not states. There is a there is a difference. Don't need to get into that now. But it's like if if a guy like me who literally hates government, like if if there was a magic button on my desk right now, and if I pressed it the entire state would cease to exist. I would press it faster than... I mean, it would make your head spin how fast I'd press that button. I hate the government. I hate government power. I, I, I think it's evil and immoral at face value. But if, So if a guy like me has come to grips with the fact that the right needs to wield political power to beat back the predations of a wicked and degenerate left, if, I, if a guy like me, who... Th- there's, there's nothing that puts a worse taste in my mouth than government. Like if, if I have come to terms with this and I have changed my mind on some of these issues and said, yes, we do need to use the power of the state to beat back the left. If I have accepted that, there's no excuse. I mean, these normal everyday Republicans are statists in my mind. You know what I mean? So it's like if a guy like me who doesn't even think the state should exist at the end of the day has come to grips with this and softened my stance on the use of government power from the right, then there's no excuse for these these ordinary Republicans to to pussy out now. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. If anybody would be against, say, Ron DeSantis wielding power, it would be me. And I have seen the utility in this, and I have understood that that you know we need to use the government to to win some of these battles because the, the stakes are just too high at this point. I, I just I have no I that argument. I'm not sympathetic to that argument at all. It's like I I just don't any any reason that Ron DeSantis shouldn't wield power or Trump or whoever. The the only coherent arguments for that position are like arguments that I would make from an anti-statist position, right? Like the Doug Ducey's case or Jared Kushner, that doesn't even make any sense. Like those guys have no problem with big government and wielding power. They just don't like it when the right guys use it. I, I don't know. Like it, like I'm just so unsympathetic to that argument at this point. Yeah, look, the bottom line is at the end of the day, the side that wants to win is going to defeat the side that simply just wants to be left alone. And, you know, as a libertarian, obviously being left alone is the biggest thing you you want. Um, but sometimes, you know, it requires actual legitimate forces of government in order to stop evil forces that are that are coming for our freedom and for for our liberty and want to destroy this country. 
And like, you can look at an example that isn't like um, Martha's Vineyard. You can look at, you know, Texas's action law, Texas's action going after big tech where, you know, they, they passed the law that prohibits tech companies from doing politically motivated censorship. And it's now going through a massive court battle. Like a lot of conservatives oppose that, like so-called conservatives oppose that. It's like, okay, you have a situation where we're literally being censored off the internet and the state is taking concrete proposals in order to stop that. But you're coming out and saying that that's, that's a bad thing to do. You can look at Ron DeSantis's actions against Disney, where Disney came out and publicly admitted to grooming children. And instead of just saying, oh, they're a private company, they can do whatever they want. Ron DeSantis was like, no, fuck you. We're going to take away your, your, we're going to take away your, uh, your tax benefits in the state of Florida. Like these are all legitimate actions of government that do good things that help our side and beat back evil forces trying to destroy this country. And I don't under, like, if you're a Republican, why, like the only Republicans that, that oppose that at this point are, are, have cushy jobs in think tanks in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the only the only people that in my mind that have a legitimate case against any of this would be if you're just like an agorist, which is like a, <laughs> a person who just like lives off the grid, doesn't participate in like society or politics at all. Like you think that like even the act of voting is like violence or whatever. Like, it, I mean, it's a ridiculous argument, but it's like. Short of that, you know what I mean? Short of that, there's just no, and like the whole, like they're private companies, they can do whatever they want. I mean, that you know, in terms of tech companies, that hasn't been true for at least six or seven years. I mean, like, you know, we, it's all come out in the last few months. I mean, like Zuckerberg said on, on Joe Rogan's podcast that the FBI came to him and told him what to, what to ban, what not to ban, what to censor, what not to censor. I mean, I mean you're just a, a state actor. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a state-run corporation at that point if if you're just quite literally doing the bidding of the fbi i I can't i mean there's no like libertarian case to be made that you're a private company at that point same with twitter obviously with the new york post story the hunter biden's laptop i mean like if if you're quite literally just taking direction directly from the fbi on behalf of one political party i like there's no argument like there is no libertarian argument to make that companies like twitter and facebook are private companies they're quite literally by definition not private companies and probably haven't been since you know 2016 ish oh yeah not at all like you can look at the stuff that's been coming out in this lawsuit that uh the missouri and louisiana attorney generals have filed that they filed these foias to try and get communications between tech companies and the government and like you know, people working in the White House have literally reached out to to Meta and asked them to censor, you know, parodies of Dr. Fauci on Instagram and other and other accounts. You can look at how the White House's former COVID response coordinator, Andy Slavitt, literally played a major role in getting Alex Berenson censored on Twitter. You can look at how the FBI literally came to Facebook and told them to censor the Hunter Biden laptop because they said it was Russian disinformation. Like if you're if if you're these powerful tech companies and you're now taking instructions from the government like that's and you know you that's not a private company anymore you're now an extension of the government and therefore d- deserve to be regulated one one thing i want to mention before we wrap it up um well, well first first we can one, one more thing i guess we should recap is that joe biden did his first sit down interview in over 6 months um he only does a couple of these a year because he has late stage alzheimers um, and anytime he does an interview, you know, he drops five to eight points in the polls because people remember that he is no longer 
a sentient human being. Um, and it, I mean, it was just a you know a bunch of bald faced lies in a row. You know, there was some funny stuff. Like he was he stood in front of a 700 horsepower brand new 2023 vet. Um, at the Detroit Auto Show and started telling everybody to buy an electric car. <laughs> it's like, bro, it's like a 10-cylinder vehicle that gets five miles a gallon. But, like, you know, it, despite all that, he did a couple of the, the dementia brain stuff. Like, he he, he threatened uh, World War III with China um, if they were to uh, invade Taiwan. Um, he also said uh, uh, that the pandemic's over, COVID's over, um, which obviously, for all intents and purposes, it is. Um, that was probably the only intelligent thing he said in years. Um, but, of course, like the White House walked it back. Oh, no, no, no. You, should, you still got to be afraid of COVID because that's the only way these white women will vote for us <laughs> in November is if they're still terrified of a virus. So, um, you know, they, just funny stuff there. They're, they're, they're constantly having to walk back what the president says. Um, it, once again, I mean, this is the second nuclear superpower that he's uh, threatened World War III. Um threatened with world war three this year uh just in the last six months so you know you would be i'd be thrilled if the president could just stop simply stop doing that uh maybe only talk shit to countries that don't have nukes you know i don't know just like roll back the, the world war three talk a little bit that'd make me a lot more comfortable but uh other than that is, is there anything else from this uh this sit down with 60 minutes that that caught your attention yeah i mean i think the biggest things were his answer on inflation was just absolutely atrocious where he was like the guy was like, it's the highest rate in 40 years. And he was like, no, it's only going up a couple inches in the last couple inches. In the last <laughs> month. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's the high. It's like, okay, it was 1.4 when you, when you became president, it's now 8.3 and you're and you're like, and his response to that is it only went up a couple inches. Um, but I think that was bad. I think like they, you know, <laughs> there's this hilarious thing that constantly happens with this white house where Joe Biden comes out and says one thing. And then his handlers have to come out and say, oh, no, that's not actually what he meant. And he did that again by saying that he would send troops to fight a war against China if they invade Taiwan. (laughs) And it's like, you know, he's done that once before. He did it when he called for regime change in Russia. And he did it when he told American soldiers that he was going to send them to to, to Ukraine. Like he's done this so many times. And it's like, it's great to have it's great to know that we have this president that constantly says things that could lead to world war three that his handlers have to walk back. And it's like, you know, who's running the country at this point? Definitely not Joe Biden. Those were the two moments that stood out to me the most. Yeah. The the thing, the scariest thing about Biden's just running his mouth and the white house having to call it back is that the people actually running the country are not any better than Biden, even in his advanced age and mental problems that he has. Uh, I mean, like, Ron, like, I don't think Prime Minister Ron Klain is any better, man. I mean, I think this guy's a complete idiot. I mean, to be fair, like, Donald Trump said a lot of stuff, man. Like, he would, he'd run his mouth when he's giving a speech. He'd get caught up in the moment, you know, go, just start, start talking, and then, like, the White House would walk it back a little bit. But it's like the people running the White House now are just these deeply unserious people. And, I mean, like, politics is full of unserious people. Uh, laughably unserious people to a certain extent, but it's like, if you look at this White House, man, it's a bunch of diversity hires, Ron Klain. I mean, it's like, and they're they're, they're totally wrapped up in this, like, way too online, sub-age 30 leftist culture stuff that they're just, they're not, I mean, you see Ron Klain spends, who's the White House chief of staff, if anybody's forgotten, he, he spends half his day just retweeting, like, Jen Rubin and, like, these, like, 
I don't know, the modern version of, like, the Krasenstein brothers. You know, like, whoever's, like, filled that gap, rest in peace, boys. But, like, whoever is, like, that new version of, like, the way-too-online 25-year-old leftist Twitter celebrities. It's like the White House spends half their day, like, retweeting people like that. It's like they're so disconnected from reality. Like, I don't even know if they, like, understand what war is or understand that, like, the president can't keep saying stuff like that. I mean, like, he like the the man is surrounded by such deeply unserious people where it's like— it doesn't bring me any comfort <laughs> when, like the White House starts walking stuff back because it's like they're just as like mentally incapacitated by their own ideology, not by disease. But they're, they're I mean, they're but they're just as bad as Biden is. It's like I, I don't I don't see any adults in the room if there are any, you know, if, if there are, please like show make yourselves known, you know, ease our minds a little bit. But it's like they, they seem almost as unserious as Joe Biden is. And it's like. I don't know, like, where's the firewall? Like, where does the buck actually stop? Like, is there somebody that will prevent, like, an absolute catastrophe from happening if it were to reach that point? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. And I don't, and, and we don't know. And that's like, you know, that's a scary thing to think about. <laughs> the fact that this, like, this guy could, you know, literally start a war with China. He's literally, literally has twice now said that he would start a war with China to, you know, heavily nuclear armed countries with the two most powerful militaries in the world. Like that's literally a terrifying prospect. And he's had, you know, his people to have to come out and walk it back. And it's like, is he, could he actually do it sometime? We don't know. And that's a scary, a very scary thing to think about, but I'll tell you what, like he's, I think, I think they're not going to let him. I think obviously if, if something like that ever happened, his handlers would not let him do it. But it's like it's obvious that the man just is not mentally there and is not the one running the country. And who is probably who, who the heck who the heck knows? Yeah, who knows? At least he didn't explicitly call for the assassination of Xi Jinping the way he did with Vladimir Putin in March. That was this is true. That was a real doozy when you 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 call the man out by name and say he should die. <laughs> That's uh you know <laughs> that was a little bit that was probably a little bit worse than the China stuff, but. Greg, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. There's a ton of stuff we didn't get to, but hey, man, I was off for two weeks. What do you expect? Um, uh, my brother, let's do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, keep in touch, follow you online, all that good stuff? See, so, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg underscore Price11 and Instagram at Greg.Price11. Um, final push towards the midterms. We're, we're working hard, and we're going to get it done. Election we'll good America first candidates. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Always good to be on with you, Brady. Absolutely, man. Always happy to have you. Uh, That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.